With a best ET of 686 at 204 mile an hour and somewhere in excess of 2,500 horsepower at approximately 80 psi of boost, Croydon Racing Development's John 2 is currently the fastest street legal R32 GTR in the world. We're here with Con from CRD to find out a little bit more about what makes this car so fast. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. So Con, over here in Australia, particularly the GTR uh, drag racing record market has become quite heated. There's a, a lot of toing and froing. You guys are currently the fastest of the crop and you've done it in a street legal format in a car that essentially is also at full weight, making your yeah. life incredibly difficult. And I want to go through some of the aspects of what makes this car go. For a start, I want to actually avoid the engine for the moment. We'll come mm. back to that. I want to talk about the drivetrain because it's quite interesting. You're still four-wheel drive, but you've got rid of a manual gearbox in favour of an auto. What's running in it? It's running uh, ours race close turbo 400 uh, with a upgraded standard transfer case. Oh, so it's standard R32 GTR transfer case on the back of the turbo 400? Correct. Yeah. So that's how it's still four-wheel drive? Yep. Okay, so... We've seen a lot of cars, a lot of drag cars go from a manual style transmission, maybe a Liberty or a Lenco to a an auto. Where do you see the advantages of the auto uh, over a, a manual gearbox? Well, one, it's um, obviously easier on all the drivetrain because it preloads everything. Um, second of all, you can throw a lot more at it and keep the car more settled with a converter. So, so it's a case of also not unloading the car on the gear shifts down the track and, and upsetting it, upsetting the balance? Yeah, correct, 100%. And that's what we see with a lot of the cars on the gear shift. Uh, the car gets unloaded, it gets unsettled, and, and then the car is basically all over the track. After that, it's sort of a fair yeah. assumption. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, with the, the torque converter, though, one of the problems we see with small capacity engines, particularly small capacity turbo engines, is uh, actually having enough torque to get the, get up onto the converter at the, at the start line. So how are you overcoming that? Uh, we're also using nitrous to get it up to whatever RPM we need, and then set it up all through the ECU. So. Are you using that nitrous solely to get the, the engine up on the converter or is it being run down the strip as well? Initially, we use it just to get it up on the converter and then we turn it on where we need to depending on the track. All right, so with the four-wheel drive system and the GTR, it's pretty unique in that predominantly the car is rear-wheel drive and then through the transfer case by using hydraulic pressure, more or less torque can be fed to the front axle line, so hence the car can do a, a rear-wheel drive burnout before converting to four-wheel drive. Are there any tricks you're doing with that in terms of how much torque you transfer forward? Uh, are you controlling that as the car goes down the drag strip? What are you doing there? Look, we obviously know how much torque we can put in the front before we start breaking things. So we dial it back a bit further back from there to you know to keep the car reliable. Um, and then depending on the track, that's where we'll decide where we need to turn the four-wheel drive off or whether we need to run it the whole way down. So if you've got a really good track, can you kind of use the front wheel drive portion maybe up to half track and then actually reduce the front wheel drive uh, component in order to go quicker? Yeah, of course, 100%. Plus it'll keep the car a lot straighter as well. So obviously that much torque going through the front wheels 
it's a lot of power to drop all the car around. So, all right, let, let's get on to the engine. Obviously, that's the heart of the whole thing. We sort of talked to before you conservatively somewhere around about the two and a half thousand horsepower mark, depending on the boost pressure. Can you talk us through the engine combination? What are you running for a block for a start? Uh, we're running a bullet billet block. Um, we made the switch about a year ago. Uh, probably we started about a year and a half before that because we were reaching the limitations of the cast block. Um, we've done a best of seven two with the cast, um, but pushing that sort of power through it, they just they wouldn't hold that sort of power. It's stuff flexing, twisting, and carrying on. So we decided to go to the next level. We had to make the change to the billet block. And with the cast block, before you did spot, what sort of failure modes were you seeing at that sort of power level seven twenties? Mainly the deck twisting and carrying on. The tunnel obviously would move a bit as well, but it was mainly in the deck where you'd find the biggest issues. So, yeah, Is that resulting in problems with head gasket integrity? Yes, 100%. All right, so you're on that uh, billet block. Obviously, there's a variety of components you yep. can choose to put in that. So can you talk us through the rotating assembly you're using? Yep, we're running the Nido crankshaft, the N40B one, um, and the Nido Carrillo rods as well as the CP pistons as well. And what's that bring the capacity to? Uh, it's still 3.2. Is that sort of the, the limit before the the stroke that you'd need to go larger in capacity sort of becomes a limiting factor for engine RPM? Yeah, yeah, that's where we feel the engines are most happiest. Uh, in terms of the cylinder head, that, that's sort of one of the key areas for airflow, obviously, in and out of the engine. So what's been done there? Uh, we've worked very closely with JHH, Will Upper JHH, um, to develop a head package that can flow 3,000 horsepower. So everything we've been doing is just really a stepping stone to the pro model, which we're building as well. So although we can't utilize the power in this, we're building for 500, 600, 700 horsepower, more than what we're currently running as well. Uh, yeah, we'll come back and we'll definitely talk about that ProMod uh, project in a second. Uh, so you've got a head that's basically more airflow than you can currently use, that's fair to say? Uh, yeah, pretty much. More airflow than you, you need to, yeah, to, to yeah. harness. Okay, what, what's the turbo package you're running on the, uh, the engine? At the moment, it's a ProMod XPR98. And you've just recently changed this turbo from a smaller ProMod? Yes, we've done the 686 with a ProMod 94. Um, now we've switched over obviously the XPR series, the latest one, and obviously a bigger turbo as well. All right, so newer series of turbo, larger compressor wheel, so the potential for even more airflow. Yeah. So you're expecting, I'm assuming that the car can go quicker? 100%. Okay, we've done the 686 with a, just the 94. Now with the XPR 98, we're probably making a solid 300 horsepower more, at least at the moment. Um, and we haven't really tried to push more than that because we're not at the point yet where the chassis will take it. So it's just a balancing act now between power versus chassis. Now, it's something I wanted to talk about. You've kind of just addressed it there. Obviously, power is, is only one aspect of it. It's sort of a case of getting the power to the track that's really important. And the chassis here, you're, you're dealing with a, a production streetcar chassis. So what are you doing for a start in terms of torque management as the car goes down the track? Obviously, we've talked about the four-wheel drive aspect and the ability to vary that. But what are you doing with uh, the likes of boost control to, to try and tune the torque delivery to how much the track can handle? Uh, we're doing the boost control through CO2, um, and it's really, again, just dialing it in to suit every track. It's, we're not doing too much with traction control or anything at the moment. Um, it's mainly all in the boost control. So varying the boost as the car leaves the line down to, to the finish line? Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked so far about the electronics package in the car, so what EC you've got in there controlling it? Uh, an M150. 
And is that doing everything? So you boost control, your four-wheel drive control and everything? It's doing that along with obviously the dash and the rest of the motor electronics are literally running the whole car. Everything from indicators through to engine management. And you're using the Motec as essential logging hub as well when the car's out on the drag strip? Yes, we've got the, we, some things obviously we do through the dash and other things through the ECU as well. Um, coming back to the engine, fuel system wise, uh, safe to assume you're running on a methanol fuel there? Yeah, we're running methanol. Um, a, we've just made the switch to a waterman pump as well. Um, and so now, that's a mechanical mecha- pump as opposed to electric? Yeah, mechanical fuel pump. So, and that's being run off the uh, front of the exhaust cam there? Yeah. So where are the advantages or requirements for a mechanical pump like that over electric? Is it just a certain fuel flow that you, you just can't really re- reliably get with an electric pump? The biggest thing is obviously reliability. And to get an electric pump to flow the sort of volume that we need, you just won't get it. And if they do, they're going to have massive current draw, which obviously leads to more load on your electronic system, which can lead to failures as well. Fair enough. Um in terms of the, the car as it sits now, 686, and as you've said, you've got the potential for another 300 horsepower with that new 98 millimeter turbo. Uh, balancing that sort of power delivery versus what the track will take, where do you sort of see the potential in this car in terms of its ultimate ETM mile an hour? L- looking into a crystal yeah. ball here. Look, on a perfect track, um, the car's capable of at least the 70. Um, but obviously you need the right track to do it and all the stars have got to align. So. And you mentioned there before the ProMod car. So you've got a cylinder here that's deve- a cylinder head here that's developed to flow a potential for 3,000 horsepower, a billet block that potentially can do the same. Obviously, you're not going to be able to put 3,000 horsepower to the track in, in this particular chassis. Yeah. So talk us through the ProMod and where you see that going. Well, really, we just we reached the point where the power has just overcome the chassis and we've put that much development into the car, into the engine, um, where it's, okay, well, what do we do from here? We've put that much time into it. The only way to do it is really build something to try to tackle the 2Js. Um, so we're looking to build, we're building an R35 Pro Mod. Um, obviously, Rob's, it's Rob's car, which is put a lot of time and effort and money into it. Um, and the aim is to really step it up and go fires well into the fires. So another Australian competitor looking to take it to the 2Js and be at the top of that five-second list? Oh, 100%. That's the aim. And anything less than a five-second pass is a failure for us. Well, look, for a start, we look forward to seeing how much faster John 2 can go with the right track and a little bit more power, but also definitely in the future looking forward to seeing a two a RB26 excuse me, competing with those 2Js in the yep. five-second zone. Thanks for the chat there, no Con. Problem, mate. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.